0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gullick Jr. That is me, with me as always, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on, man? Happy Monday.
1: Happy Monday to you, Mike. I'm getting a haircut later on today, so I'm, I'm feeling really, really good. Man, hit it with the fade. Man, I need it bad, too. I'm, I'm out here struggling. But anyways, how you doing? How was your weekend?
0: I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Um, Got back, was in Waco this weekend for the Kansas State-Baylor yes. game. Uh are you of that.
1: surprised by that ass whooping? A
0: little bit, a little bit. Uh, okay. Did not. Uh, yeah. you know, I thought those were two pretty evenly matched teams in that gaggle of teams that were six and three going into the weekend. And Kansas State felt differently about that. So mm-hmm. had a fun trip down to Waco. Um, we hope you guys had a good weekend. Download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Five star rating review wherever you get them, and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel on the Gojo of Mike Golick Jr. tab so you can see Brandon's new haircut uh, when that comes up for the rest of this week here. Um, hey. We got a great show for you guys, mostly because we had a great weekend of football. I oh. witnessed a total ass-whooping, Brandon, but the rest of the football weekend, especially in the NFL, was pretty insane. Like We have a legitimate, a legitimate reason to say we may have seen the game of the year this weekend.
1: Yes, Mike, the game of the year, and obviously that's a big thing, but there was the cherry on top to the uh, whipped cream and the base that was just an amazing weekend of football. I, I, I literally was talking to Michelle last night as we was going to bed, and I said, watching every touchdown highlight on uh, NFL Red Zone, I said, I teared up. I said, I almost start crying about how beautiful it <laughs> the football was that we were watching she said definitely mention that on the podcast tomorrow (laughs) so i'm being dead ass i was like this is like whatever has happened to this game that has led us here
0: (laughs) making it really hard for defensive backs to touch wide receivers won't he do it and,
1: and hey hard for defenders to do their
0: jobs in general yes and still we're here to <laughs> say you you want to be a d lineman and try and touch these quarterbacks I didn't think so you're not going to get in the way of us enjoying this football no oh, no no <laughs> I almost feel like it's worth the penalty deal for the defense lineman <clears throat> speaking
1: as a defense lineman like I will I would finish on Patrick Mahomes and take that penalty every time I really every don't, time i really don't like the way you
0: phrase that. Finish all on him Just like Oh god Oh Oh, god No He'll know when I'm coming You know what I mean No No Here here are the footsteps (laughs) Half heavy feet The footsteps we won't even get to Patrick Mahomes game. That's how good, that's how good man. the Minnesota Vikings and Buffalo Bills game was, man. Like we all knew we were watching a classic, but what I think once we hit the fourth quarter of that game, because for the Vikings that was a game where once again they found themselves having to rally. They were down in this game. They were down really in the last two and a half minutes of this game, where I saw the stat on ESPN. That they had rallied when down, entering the last two and a half minutes or less of the game five times this season. They're seven and zero in one possession games, which is both unsustainable and a testament to how good that team is.
1: Uh, Mike, I hear you say it's unsustainable, but it just sounds like a real football team, doesn't it? Doesn't <laughs> it just sound like like you say it's not? You say it's it's proof that it, it's not going to happen
0: all the time. I say it's proof that it can happen. I mean, it's proof that it is happening right now that this team has had to operate in some very tight quarters. They're winning games in a phone booth right now, but they're winning them. And so regression usually comes in the following season. We can have that conversation eventually, but for right now, Brandon, they got the win that they had been searching for, right? We had talked about the Vikings, not having a quote unquote signature win about how they had faced three backup quarterbacks in certain games, about how the one good team they had played with a starter was Jalen Hurts equals team that thumped them pretty convincingly and I it's funny I still look at a game where the Bills had three turnovers in the fourth quarter and overtime that Josh Allen was a part of two interceptions right. and a fumble that's part of a wild swing that we're going to talk about of plays but looking at this game you needed that And part of those were forced. Patrick Peterson played one of those throwback games at defensive back for the Vikings and made that happen. The Vikings, I believe, are legitimate Super Bowl contenders now in that... They've gone out and they've gotten a win against one of the teams that they would need to coming out of the AFC. There aren't that many teams to really consider in the NFC this year. It's really been them and the Philadelphia Eagles that have been the only consistently good teams. As we look around and wait for the old quarterbacks, wait to see if the Super Bowl contenders or anyone coming out of the NFC West is going to make this thing work. Like They've been right. the only one outside of Philly, and since they got beat by Philly pretty badly early in this season, they've played a lot better and been a part of these games and they've got Justin Jefferson and you don't and I feel like that alone might be worth putting you in consideration for the ultimate prize yeah I'm like I, I
1: I am fully on this train for the Minnesota Vikings I've been trying to claw at this for a long time this scab to try to believe that the Vikings are actually Super Bowl contenders because they've looked like it plenty of times Mike they've They've been competitive against good teams, but I think the NFL as a whole right now feels a little bit more competitive than it has, and for them to be winning these games with the new head coach, with – it seems like everything else is consistent with that team. I think outside of the head coach, right, like you would – People would come in looking at the Vikings roster and be like, oh, well, they're tried and true. They've been there. They have all the weapons you need. Some over-the-top guys that you aren't doing over-the-top things like Adam Thielen, but that weapon is still there on that offense. And then Kirk Cousins is looking more and more like a quarterback that will win a Super Bowl every day or every week we see him play.
0: So, and that's, that's the interesting part in this game. I think when you look at it side by side and you look at what these two teams did, because this towards the end was two, you know, fighters trading haymakers, Buffalo had gotten up early in this game. That's why you had the Vikings having to battle back. But when it came down the stretch, it was big play after big play in a game where Justin, uh, Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs, both had some monster stats in this game. Both quarterbacks put up big time stat lines, obviously, the interceptions by Josh Allen are things that he's going to want back. But Justin Jefferson, 10 for 193 and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs, 12 for 128, no touchdown in this game. Both teams rushed for over 140 yards. Both quarterbacks threw for over 330 yards. Like It was that kind of game. But even looking with that, you saw some of the differences, right, just with What went out when we talk about this game in retrospect, it will be framed as Justin Jefferson versus Josh Allen and not Kirk Cousins versus Josh Allen. And that might be unfair, but that's the reality of the situation, Brandon, where Josh Allen also led their team in rushing where Josh Allen also had the scramble plays that made things like I watched this game, Brandon. And one of the things that became very clear to me is that we do not have Justin Fields as an idea without Josh Allen first, because Josh Allen is doing all the things that we now love for Justin Fields as far as being a dynamic rusher, being one of the deadliest.
1: What, What do you mean? Don't do that. Lamar Jackson still exists. And that is, and that is why Justin Fields, is who Justin Fields is. Like Josh, Josh Allen, keep in mind the the Buffalo Bills wanted desperately for Josh Allen not to be their leading rusher. That's why they got all these damn running backs in this draft and 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 picks and moving shit around like they've stockpiled running backs only to have their quarterback be their leading rusher this entire season.
0: So, that is fair to bring up Lamar Jackson. The only reason I use Justin Fields and uh, Josh Allen is just because Justin Fields is bigger. Like, Justin Fields, size-wise, I think is a closer comparison to Josh Allen. Now, I know that Lamar Jackson's beefed up this season and all that stuff. Yes, yes, But you're right. What's the difference? But, like, speed-wise you know Justin Fields is probably the second fastest quarterback to to Lamar Jackson but it just it looked so similar because we know with Lamar Jackson too so much of that is in the design run game that certainly shows up for Justin Fields but I just seeing Josh Allen scramble it gave me so many of those same feelings on a day where I think Justin Fields rushed for like 140 yards again
1: <laughs> Yeah it, it Justin Fields I'm I'm done I feel bad for the it's so crazy to be excited for a Chicago Bears team that has lost so many games.
0: I know. <laughs> Just because that's how good Justin Fields actually looks. But but I, I think going back to this, all of that yes. points back to, like, Josh Allen. Like, it was yeah. Josh Allen versus the Justin Jefferson plays that were being made because Josh Allen's plays required those, like, extra effort, him working outside of the offense, and everything. You know, There were a couple impressive throws, like Kirk Cousins in overtime to help set them up when he had a blitzer in his face and he just turned, I thought of the Patrick Mahomes, fuck it, Tyree kills down there somewhere where they were just like, oh yeah, he'll throw it down there. He turned and burned that thing over to Justin Jefferson and made that happen in a way that was really impressive on the part of the quarterback. I don't want to take that away from Kirk Cousins in a game where he was statistically really impressive even after overcoming two interceptions to start that game.
1: Yes, Mike, and they have weapons that... TJ Hawkinson isn't even their most effective tight end right now. Like that's why I'm I'm so surprised to see just how much Kirk Cousins is spreading the ball around, as well as as, as much as Justin Jefferson is getting new receiving records and and um, personal best games every time he comes out every week. Everyone's still getting touches. Like Kirk Cousins is throwing the rock around.
0: Well, yeah, oh, he absolutely is, and that's how that offense is going to operate, and that's why it is so interesting to consider. So, again, they are Super Bowl contenders, I think, as much because of the math as anything else. I, I just – man, this way of winning is really – it's, like, it's really unsustainable. I don't say that to be disparaging. They found a way to win these games, but it's just hard to live like this. That's fair to say,
1: but wouldn't you say that this team could – maybe afford some losses at this point. Like obviously not the big ones and the ones that are important, but they still have some time to sit some people,
0: rest some people, and then just, you know, uh, get stronger. Oh, no, that's one thing that is absolutely in their favor when we have this conversation is they are so far out in front. The Green Bay Packers did get a win inside that division. We know sure. that um, the Bears have had a bit of a resurgence here recently. But make no mistake, Minnesota at 8-1 and one now uh, is far out in front when it comes to this. So, yes, absolutely, that's a huge thing for them.
1: Okay, uh, Patrick Peterson, is it worth having a <laughs> – does he is he the, a DB that deserves a, uh, a a minute conversation or two minute conversation? Because I'm thinking about all these. Obviously, he's the he's the closer, but him and his consistency over time from LSU to now, Mike. It just well, uh, I mean, as somebody had, who we play He had fallen we off the North last American couple game. years,
0: like. Uh, yeah, he had. He, 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 he this is this. Is, had. I, I say that as a compliment. This has been a little bit of a resurgence for Patrick Peterson this season. We thought yeah. most people, especially after Arizona, that we had seen the best of his days go behind him. That a guy who was one of the banner athletes had, you know, finally had Father Time catch up. The old cliche and dude's playing yeah. good football this season, so he gets to wear all the chain shirtless on the plane.
1: <laughs> it's as so simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's there's our Patrick Peterson conversation. I mean, did you have more on Patrick Peterson? I'm certainly like give the man his flowers I, if you'd like. I don't know, Mike. You know, when it us being older guys, when it comes to the people that we've shared the field with, or you know, have been in the game as long as we have, it's it's a little it's special to see them succeed. But it's it's a little bit more important or special when they are actually game changers. You know, it's good to see people our age still being game changers in the NFL.
0: Speaking of game changers, so let's get to the catch because Justin, Justin Jefferson, and this catch in the game. So, as the Vikings are trying to mount this furious comeback, trying to figure everything out, you have was this in fourth the fourth quarter or overtime? I'm like I'm already blanking now cuz this game was I drunk I thought it was the fourth fuck. quarter. I thought it
1: was the end of the fourth quarter. third quarter third down. Let me let me Let's be accurate.
0: Yeah, I want to want to make sure that we're in the right spot on this because obviously the end sequence of this game was pretty insane but with Justin Two Jeff- minutes
1: left in the fourth.
0: Oh, that's right. Oh, you know what it was, Brandon? It was around the two-minute warning. So, yes. Right. So, right at the two-minute warning, we had the play that could have been the narrative story of the game. Because once again, in a critical moment, Von Miller stepped up and sacked the quarterback, came off the edge, sacked the quarterback, it hit right at the two-minute warning, and forced a third and a mile. And we looked <sighs> up, and... If that next play had not happened, we're talking about, once again, the Bills' offseason acquisition is the right move. They are primed to have a finisher in the postseason on the defensive line. The very next play... You had Justin Jefferson go up for what might be not only the catch of the year, but Brandon, Like we can have a conversation if this catch finally usurps the Odo Beckham Jr. three-finger-falling-away catch as the most impressive catch that we've seen in like modern pro football. It was that insane as he was tied up with the defensive back, went up with one hand, and then seemed to only be able to keep it off the ground because he was grappling with it between him and the defensive back's hand. It was one of the strongest things. Things we saw on the field the whole day.
1: Yes, it was. It was definitely, and obviously, this game went into overtime afterwards because the Vikings went on to score. But it felt like a backbreaker for the Bills, and in, in the way that that uh, that David Tyree catch was the backbreaker for the Patriots in that Super Bowl. Yes, and also let let me let me add real context to this. It was fourth and eighteen. Mike. Yes, like we are we are trying to. <laughs> I I say third down because in a football guy's mindset, like that's the biggest down, right? Like that's the important one. No, it was fourth down. They were down 23 to 27 to the Bills in a game that they should have lost. And Kirk Cousins makes this throw and Justin Jefferson really does some like Michael Jordan in the Space Jam type of reach up one hand grab. And the thought that we got a chance to see just how strong Justin Jefferson's hands are the, the, the we can start talking about and romanticizing the fact that Joe Burrow had both Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase on the same team at LSU like this one individual wide receiver changed the game Like okay now so, now I'm conceding so, to your original point. Yeah. You said it was it was Josh Allen versus Justin Jefferson in this game.
0: Yes. And so in this in this particular swing, so all the things that you said there matter in how we frame this last sequence. Minnesota was down 14 at halftime. Just or Kirk Cousins came out and threw a pick on the first drive of the second half. You have this uh that missed extra point by Greg Joseph that makes it 23 to 27. So now Minnesota has to go for the end zone on this drive. Von Miller gets that sack at the 2 minute drill 4th and 18 the catch that incredible moment that leads to 4th and 1 for the Vikings down on the goal line a quarterback sneak where Kirk Cousins gets stuffed and we think the game is over the game is not over and Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills get under center to try and burrow out of their own end zone and end up fumbling the snap for a touchdown that puts the Vikings up and then We get the Bills that drive down and go and get this impressive drive to set up a field goal to tie and take this thing into overtime. And it was... Minnesota leaning on the run game in overtime can certainly laud the Minnesota Vikings offensive line that I thought protected really oh well God. for the vast. And I yes. I know I know that sounds weird to say in a day where Kirk Cousins took four sacks technically, but you look at the ma- you look at the majority of the day and you adjust for the quality of competition across from them. And for the most part, Kirk Cousins one maneuvers in the pocket very well, but also two had a lot of time to deliver throws to all the receivers that you mentioned. But they leaned on that ground game to get them in field goal range in overtime and then of the Josh Danny Allen Cook. of the Josh Allen three uh, uh the Josh Allen turnover plays again three turnovers mm. in the fourth quarter in overtime two interceptions in the one fumble really to me the last one in overtime was the one that was the real head scratcher of the three right as far as being a bad play because the first interception was on fourth mm. and two down by the goal line and he said it out he was very candid after the game you're going to try and give that one a chance. I'm not just going to take a sack or throw it away. It's fourth down. We're already going to be turning the ball over on downs. I'm under pressure. Let me just throw it up and give somebody a chance. The fumble right. on the goal line, obviously, that's a quarterback center problem and figuring out you know who aired where. Those are tough situations, having been – under center in a spot where you're backed up like that and you're the offensive line in front of the lineman snapping the ball to the quarterback you're usually down it's you know it's my dad always described it's elbows and assholes down at that point so you're down there leaned forward you're trying to dig out while also getting the football back there the quarterbacks lean forward he's thinking about that all of it's so different and listen you practice these things over and over again it's something that they should have but in the stress of that moment where you are on the field it all gets heightened and any little mistake stake like you can have in that exchange leads to what exactly we got right there. So I'm not excusing. And I understand it's, these guys are pros and it's part of their jobs, but I'm just telling you in that situation, it's really hard to think about moving the 330 pound guy in front of you leaned forward in a stance. That's more than what you'd usually be doing under center. And then getting the ball back there to a quarterback. That's worried a lot about the same things.
1: Yes. But I, I will. The only reason I want to push back is you saying you've been able to, you practice it a lot. And obviously I think you do practice it a lot. Goal line is a big thing, but it's always the defense with their back against the goal line. Defense with 99 yards at their back, that's a whole different ball game. Those first those four downs, you're thinking safety territory, you're thinking touchdown territory. So I want to say that the defense there's it's very difficult to replicate that for a defense because their their ears are pinned back so much that you often see those not often see, but you can see those big chunk 99 yard run plays and things that happen because the defense is so like the box is so loaded and they're so focused on can, like getting points when they're they're when they're right there at the goal line so I know this doesn't happen often Mike but like a A uh, onside kick to start the game that the Jacksonville Jaguars did against the Chiefs on Sunday. Like, I love seeing it happen because I know it can happen and once it does happen, everyone else has the fear of God in them again, right? Like, it's like, uh, it could happen. Like, no. Defense gonna go score that ball, especially if the offense is backed up trying to get out.
0: There were a lot of people that wondered because at that point Buffalo was up three points, if that was intentional safety territory. And as someone who mm. was a Vikings in the points better, I was certainly into that. I think there was too. Mm. I think there was too much time left. There was about forty four seconds left yeah. on the clock, and that was one of those situations where Minnesota. Er, Minnesota had one timeout left, and if you could have gotten out a little bit and just gotten a sliver of daylight, forced Minnesota to burn that timeout – and then maybe gotten one more playoff, then when you're like under 15 seconds and you're talking about taking a safety, I think that might have been more viable. Someone can fact-check me on that because most coaches have hard and fast rules on when you can go to something like that or in what situations. But in my mind, that's a little more of a last resort because I don't know if you'd want to give two points to the opposing team. And then, especially for a team that's been able to move the ball as well as they have, um, at that particular juncture, give him a chance to potentially drive for a field goal, even though, like we said, Greg Joseph had already missed an extra point in that game. So, right. um, tough, sequ- tough sequence there. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm worried about Josh Allen just because the fact that he was able to perform this well in a game where we weren't even sure he was going to play checked the most important box, which was – Yeah, he didn't look like... There were maybe a couple of throws where you could have waffled about what that... You know, UCL injury, for anyone that missed it, he had come into that week um, with an injured ulnar collateral limit, which is the Tommy John ligament of pitcher's arm. And, you know, they had checked on that and the surrounding nerves and... We had talked about it on Friday, like man, maybe he shouldn't play this yep. game. And they made it overwhelmingly clear, the reports that came out from the insiders saying that the Bills organization had checked with a bunch of different doctors and double and triple check that he cannot make this worse by being out there on the field. We saw him on an interception try and punch out a ball and looked like he might have aggravated a bit. He stayed down on the ground for some extra time. But Brandon, him going out, part of the Josh Allen allure is Josh Allen taking chances with the football in certain places where most others wouldn't because he's got the ability sure. to make those plays. Now, we're in a couple-game stretch here where we've gotten a little bit more of the old Josh Allen than we had been used to in quite some time based on his trajectory. And I'm not going to reach too far and, and you know bring up the fact that you know, you're know you dealing with different coordinators and all that stuff. They've been playing really well for the beginning stretch of these games. And I trust that he will again as he gets healthier, provided that's a thing that we can get. But he checked the most important box, which he went out there and played really well despite that injury in this game. So I wouldn't say I'm too worried about the decision-making. Again, the breakdown of those turnovers, I think only really one of them was a truly bad decision by Josh in that last interception by Patrick Peterson. But for them now, I mean... They have lost the lead in the AFC. They are a half game behind the Dolphins in the AFC East. So they're all of a sudden back in that mode where, like we talked about with Minnesota, they're so far out in front in the NFC North and outside of Philadelphia in the NFC, they really don't have a lot of competition, uh, or right now at least. For Buffalo, they're kind of back into it again, where for so much the conversation had been about you know the playoffs going through Orchard Park and home field advantage, and now all of a sudden that's not a given anymore.
1: Yeah, Mike, and something you said earlier in this podcast keeps ringing in my ear over and over and over again. You said res- regression usually shows itself the next season. And I think the Bills have been seen as the best team in football because of that AFC championship game that they lost last year and then obviously adding Von Miller to the mix and you know all the things that they've done. I think they've – getting rid of Cole Beasley. I think they've proven to be <laughs> one of the best teams in football, but I think there is a reality that there is some regression there.
0: Well, I I think there's change there, and I think also your quarterback being, you know asked to do so much in this offense is always going to make things a little bit challenging. We've seen, even for Patrick Mahomes this year, they've won a bunch of close games in large part because, you know, you lost Tyree Kill, which is certainly a factor, but Mahomes has been able to overcome that. I think Buffalo is going to be fine. I think that's kind of largely my takeaway from this is Minnesota got a really good win winning games the way that they've been forced to this year. Buffalo was still a team that was ahead by two scores at halftime and was ahead by double digits. Going into the last two and a half minutes of this game. So it was like when, it was like earlier in the season when the Ravens lost to the Dolphins. They were the better team for three and a half quarters of that game. And then one team managed to finish really well on this. But the Vikings have done that long enough this year to be looked at and say that's part of how they win. And you've got to give them enough credit for that.
1: Okay. I'm going to say this one thing because Buffalo Bills fans, obviously you should not be worried because you have Josh Allen as your quarterback. But if you're worried about anything, I think you should be worried about your running game. Because the Vikings clearly have a, a running back to lean on in Dalvin Cook who helps a lot when it comes to whatever Kirk Cousins can and doesn't do. He's less of a game manager now because, you know, he's good like that. But without a running game, Mike, I don't think you can win a Super Bowl. And I think the 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 Bills running game via Josh Allen is uh, has a ceiling.
0: It does. I mean, we had, you know, you had Devin Singletary get in the end zone at least a couple of times at the beginning of this game, yeah, which, of times, is huge, yeah. which was huge, which was big for them. Um, I think some of it might be games group, but you're right. that's certainly not a, a down in down out strength of theirs. You can go back and look at you know the Kansas City Super Bowl. like they were able to get some stuff done there. I think it's just about being able to run in like a timely fashion more than it is having it be the lead dog of your team. We've seen a bunch of teams do it like that this year. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, That's a great question. So what what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shot-fidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well, and I'll tell you right out of the gate. That's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Which is actually an interesting segue into the other, I think, most interesting game from the weekend, which was the Packers uh, hosting the Cowboys and getting beat at home. Because yeah. this game, to me, Brandon, was the Packers out-Cowboys the Cowboys. Like... The Packers went out there and were able to win in the ground game to go and beat them up up front and do that in a way that had really been the calling oh, card okay. for the Cowboys, you know.
1: Okay, I thought I thought it was I thought it was more on the uh, Cowboys embarrassingly losing leads and things like that. Uh, I thought I thought you were you were throwing shade, but no, st- statistically and strategically they were playing like the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, I say they had over 200 yards rushing in this game to go along with 200 yards passing. It was that kind of balanced attack that, quite honestly, Brandon, when we had talked about two weeks ago when the Packers played the Bills close – before their loss the next weekend. This is some of what we saw, was them relying more on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon than on Aaron Rodgers to go out there and just make everything happen. And don't get me wrong, part of this game was Aaron Rodgers making a big-time throw where he sticks it in the chest of Sammy Watkins. Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson connecting on some of those downfield shots that have been eluding this offense for so much of the season but the down right. in down out stuff was the stuff that showed up against buffalo and i thought if you're looking for signs of encouragement as someone who said hey of the teams in the gutter green bay's the one just because i mostly because the rest were such unappetizing options as far as buy low teams in the nfl that at least they had shown all right, we've got something that could be an identity, and you've got your offensive line that's healthy as it's been, right? You had that full left sideback with Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins at left tackle and left guard respectively, and that group made the difference in this game. That group gave Aaron Rodgers ample time, was prying open big-time lanes in the run game for Jones and Dylan. so I think they deserve a ton of credit. That group finally being healthy, surprise, surprise, certainly improves things for them.
1: Yeah, Aaron Rodgers has more time to give balls perfectly to his wide receivers for them to drop, time in, time out. And obviously, you know, they they leaned on the Yeah, the Packers have looked best when Dylan and uh, Aaron, jo- uh, Adam Jones have been touching the rock mic, but I don't want to get off the Packers just yet. But this game felt like a good one for Jerry Jones and Zeke because I think that that one-two punch was missing on the other side of the ball.
0: Oh, no, he absolutely was. The conversation's not been – does Zeke Elliott matter in this offense? He absolutely does. The conversation's just been that we should be getting more carries for Tony Pollard, which I still think holds true. I think that Zeke has a ton of value, and I think having two guys that you can lean on there so you don't get Tony Pollard getting ground down so you can have Zeke Elliott for pass protection where he was certainly missed, all those things matter. Mm-hmm. It's just that he shouldn't be getting more carries than Tony Pollard at this point. That's the conversation. But you're I, okay. you're right in that I thought of Jerry Jones immediately, and you know his shit-eating grin. He's going to make one positive thing out of that loss. It's going to be, well, listen, I tried to tell you that Zeke was the heart and soul of this offense, and... <laughs>
1: You can't expect Dak to be Dak out there without Dak with Zeke
0: out there. Yeah, it's just it's not how it's not how this works as a team. But, yeah, Brandon, I, I thought, again, a lot of credit because the Packers defensively came into this game, um, had lost um, Rashawn Gary for the season to injury, were down um, Stokes in the secondary. Like, they were missing plenty mm-hmm. of bod- bodies defensively and managed to go out and, I thought, do a good job of – unsettling and making Dak Prescott uncomfortable in the pocket for certain stretches of the game, the back end Jair Alexander and CD lamb. And those guys were having a really good battle for the vast majority of that game. This one, hey, um, what Rudy Ford, Rudy Ford. Yeah. What the hell was
1: that? <laughs> Rudy Ford. I'm telling you, Hey, uh, was it next man up? That's the mentality that they have. Obviously they had to put him in there because of the, uh, injuries they had on the back end for the, for the Packers. And he ends up getting, uh, Two interceptions in the first half, and uh, that doubled his career interception total uh, coming into that game, which seems to happen against the Cowboys, or I guess for the Packers, probably, uh, because uh, Wichita hasn't come off the field since he had those interceptions uh, last year. Uh, Rasul Douglas? Yes, yeah. Mizzle Douglas. Yeah, he's still, he's still tearing shit up. Yeah,
0: they got the get-hot all-stars in the secondary for the Packers. Right. Um, It is worth noting, and I thought Greg Olson on the call did a really good job of explaining that all interceptions are not on the quarterbacks and that with these ones, mm. you had two wide receivers basically running the same route in the same area that put a bunch of defenders there for the first interception, which you can question if Dak should have thrown it in that area, but... You know oh, that That's at least the context of one. And then the second one, Greg Olson showed very clearly on the Telestrator. Receiver's got to break that off in front of the safety there. Right. Dak's expecting him mm-hmm. to be in that spot. And so it, it, it really isn't a game where you've got to dump on Dak too much. It was more the Packers finally True. played the way they did. The one thing that was most curious to me for Dallas, and we'll get to, I think, the biggest decision in this game that a lot of people want to talk about, Mike McCarthy electing to go for it on fourth and three in Shh. overtime instead of kicking a 53-yard. Field goal. I was surprised at how much the Cowboys were playing Micah Parsons off ball. When you look mm. at when you look at the criticism of Micah Parsons at this point, it's not a great run defender. And right. from the majority of this season, I went and looked. Um, shout out to the folks over at the Athletic; they had done a breakdown of the Cowboys roster through the first you know half and change of the season. And heading into this week, Micah Parsons had played. 350 snaps as an edge rusher and 105 as a linebacker. So he had been almost 3-1 to playing on the edge now as opposed to playing off-ball in the middle of that defense where you drafted him, and that's the right decision. He's the best and most destructive out there, and the Packers, in a smart game plan, decided we're going to run right at him, but it was also interesting, and I'd be curious to hear the explanation because Dan Quinn's a coach that's gotten a lot of of praise over the last couple years for the job he's done with that unit and with that player in particular, but it seemed like he was in the spot where he was least effective for the most of that game and you saw time and time again as they got up in there there were plenty yards to be had in the middle of that defense in a way that You know, who knows if it's the same with him on the edge. Maybe you can argue that having him in the middle against a team that's going to run the ball most might give him opportunities to create havoc. But again, run defense is not necessarily his strong suit. So maybe he was always going to be swimming upstream. He still had plenty of edge reps. He still had it on passing downs. But it was just something that was very weird anecdotally. I'd be curious to see if anyone's got access to one of those, you know, like a PFF Ultimate account, if they know what the snap breakdown was for that game because it seemed higher than usual.
1: Yeah, and it definitely didn't do them any good. I'm looking at a uh, Dallas Morning News and uh, their their grade of the Dallas Cowboys last night. Run defense, they gave them an F. Uh, and pass yep. defense, they gave them an F. So okay,
0: <laughs> not good. All right, stellar. Not great, Bob. Not great. Um, Brandon, the decision from Mike McCarthy in overtime. How'd you feel about that? Because I personally. I was really excited. It was so funny in this game to think Mike McCarthy when he left Green Bay and got the job down in Dallas. Part of this had been the conversation about McCarthy and analytics and him saying, hey, you know, I've gone and studied this while I've been away, and I'm ready to go. Him and Jerry Jones had that weird sleepover, and he brought his analytics book, and he's like, look, Jerry, I do analytics (laughs) now. And this is worth noting. It's going to be so funny. In a game where I think we saw both sides be aggressive on fourth down and make decisions that reflected a belief in their offense, which is what some of this in-game decision-making is about. We joked off the top. In a league where offense is incentivized, you've got added incentive to go out here and try and maintain position possession of the football when you've got possession. And part of that's being aggressive in situations like this. They pointed out in this, that wind was a factor you saw early in that yeah. game. Um, the kicker uh, on the other side for the Packers um Miss again, miss a field goal very early on from like fifty, from right over fifty yards. That clearly swirled in the wind. They said it was a factor. Brett Meyer, the Cowboys kicker, said it was definitely a factor. I think I could have hit a clean ball the uh, going that way, but hey, I love the call to go for it in that situation. We're here to win games. I think that was a good call. Yeah, Mason Crosby had missed a field goal. I forget if it was going in that same direction. Mike McCarthy talked about the wind switching up in there. This was yeah. a decision that the ESPN analytics model actually favored the kick. So I want that out there. Analytics Ooh. favored the kick as far as win probably here. This was a analytics move. This was Mike McCarthy looking at the yes. situation and doing what football guys all claim to love and going with his mm-hmm. gut and doing it. So if you hear a talk show blaming analytics for it today, they're just lying. They're doing the right. easy thing and they're not. They're, in this case, at least according to one model, I won't speak for all models, but according to the ESPN model, they are statistically inaccurate. That being said, I love the move. I want the real, like, no disrespect to kickers, I want the real football players deciding the outcome of these games. And in a moment like that where you're on the edge and you want to leave it up to a 53-yard field goal, or I could leave it up to Dak Prescott and the rest of this offense, I'm going to choose the offense probably 10 out of 10 times here. It was just a play where the protection broke down and Dak ended up having to make a bad throw under duress. You can argue play call. You can all, always have a discussion about the quality of a play call. But as far as that decision, I, I would do that 10 out of 10 times.
1: Yeah, I had no problems with that decision at all, Mike. It almost felt like – yeah, like you said, it sounded like a it felt like a football guy's move, right? And there was a, a game that ended in a field goal um, – was it the, the main – I think it was the Vikings Bills game, but anyways, it was it, they the play of the game was the field goal. Right? Yep. Do you remember that? Like and I you're talking about kickers, you want the real football players to make the plays. I have an issue with that. I do believe kicking is a part of the game, all the other good stuff, but I do have an issue with the most important play of the game being a play that is lined up and and kick kick the ball to win a game. Like I, I, I have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with the Cowboys not trying that because I think all that does matter, Mike, a, a missed field goal, Mike McCarthy feeling that field and all the times that he's had a, a field goal kicker go out there and, and miss one. I think he wants to put the game in the hands of the football players. No offense to any kickers, especially not Dicker the kicker. Um, but I, I love the move, and I, and I would go for it 10 times out of 10. I, honestly, I feel like maybe they should have – Ran a different play. Obviously, that's always the Monday morning quarterback. But field goal is not the answer there.
0: No, no. I'd agree. And and for Dallas, it's one of those things where, uh, again, they got – you're right in that I think we saw. Zeke Elliott having that one-two punch in the backfield certainly does matter. I think the O-line protection-wise was a little leakier than I anticipated against a Green Bay defensive front that hadn't really been all that. I thought Green Bay won both lines of scrimmage pretty well for the vast majority of this game. I don't know if I'm going to believe that Green Bay's all the way back necessarily. I want to see them be able to stick with this a couple of games in a row because I thought they let their foot off the gas as far as going out and dominating on the ground against a Lions team that should have been primed for that Ooh. to happen. And yeah. the problem with this also is the road doesn't get any easier. They have the Titans defensive front, and then they're on the road at Philadelphia on the 27th. Or, uh, Yeah, it's, uh, on the road. It's the Thanksgiving game. So, yes. like you've got that coming down the pipeline here. The schedule doesn't get a ton easier for them down the back half of the season with a couple exceptions, but... Yeah. If let's put it this way, if Green Bay continues to replicate this formula of trying to go out here and leaning on their best players being in their backfield and letting a hell if their offensive line stays healthy and can do that, now all of a sudden we've got a chance. We've talked so much about this year's NFC; they cannot win the North. The Vikings are so far out in front. I don't think that's you know. I don't, know if it, I don't know if it's a statistical, statistical thing, but it's highly unlikely. But wild card spots are potentially up for grabs, and we'll start talking about that more and more as we go down the road here. But if you're the Packers, that can be a conversation for you if the price is right if you play like this.
1: Mike, uh, I don't want any spoiler alerts here, but in that division, obviously the Vikings have it wrapped up in NFC North, but last game of the season, January 8th, is the Lions versus the Packers. The Lions, who are one game behind the Packers right now, uh, on their own uh, two-game win streak, right? <laughs> Dan Campbell could could really, could really ruin the dreams and hopes of the Green Bay nation
0: by just keeping them out of the
1: playoffs completely.
0: So, uh, Green Bay right now, if we really want to keep score at home, in the playoff picture that, again, is expanded, um, Green Bay sits at ninth right now in the NFC. At four and six, with seventh place being the San Francisco 49ers at five and four. So. There's not all that mm. many games separating everyone involved. That'll be a bottleneck conversation, again, with an expanded postseason. And so, uh, a signs of life for both the Bucks and the Packers in the same weekend here, which is pretty wild as we've waited for these old quarterbacks to do something. You got a little bit of vintage Aaron Rodgers in this game, but got to rely a lot on that ground game. So, good win for the Packers. Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady, yeah. He went He went to Germany and got
1: praised and – You know, is this a thing, Tom Brady winning in four different countries? Like,
0: maybe the old quarterbacks just take a little bit longer to get going. Like old people. uh, Maybe. And don't want to make too much about it, but Tom Brady had a life event, and since then he's undefeated, so. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, Brandon, maybe he has been a recipient of roses in the past for you. It's Monday around here. We do roses on this show. Um, we hand out each two roses to deserving candidates, bachelor and bachelorette style, people that we want to bring with us to the rest of the week who we think have gone out and earned their place in the competition going forward. Brandon, you have given roses, uh, I believe, to Tom Brady or at the very least people involved in um, in uh, situations surrounding their relationships. So, uh, Brandon, do you want to give out your first rose of the week? See if it's one of them,
1: yes, yes, I do, and also you nasty, because I see what's on the second half of your first rose. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But um, I was going to give this rose out second, but might as well give it out first since we just talked about the Packers for twenty minutes. Christian Watson, mm. Christian Watson, the rookie second round pick from North Dakota State, had his coming out party, Mike. He obviously he well I don't say obviously he struggled to stay on the field. Okay, don't do that, Mike. Don't do that. Mike's doing the whole the listing thing.
0: Oh, that's what he that's did. That's what he though. did. I'm doing his I'm doing his celebration okay. because he had three touchdowns in this game.
1: Yes, thank you for that. I'm sorry. I thought you were teasing me and like this is the good things about Christian Watson. One. He's been injured and, and uh, was out for all training camp. Two, drops balls all the time. Three, dropped a 75-yard potential touchdown at the beginning of this game. So he dropped the first two balls that Aaron Rodgers threw his way. Aaron Rodgers looked over at Matt
0: LaFleur and gave him that. I told you so.
1: Look. And
0: he, yo, bummy. <laughs> <he, laughs> oh, him God. cursing out Matt LaFleur after that fourth down call was some wild boy it. shit, man. Looked directly <sighs> at him and was like, what the fuck are you doing? doing what is that call
1: <laughs> and then realized once he was like okay like this may be too hot did the I'm turning around and I'm yelling at you while I'm walking away thing like I was like ooh, yeah
0: that was that was sp- spicy if if it were not for what they did in the rest of that game I thought we are going to see that, and we still will probably see that play run on first take in the like about oh, a thousand yeah. times today because it's Aaron Rodgers
1: <laughs> yes I mean yeah and and it's the Packers and this was this was great, and, and obviously Christian Watson was supposed to be the person that, uh, along with the other one that that didn't play because his ang- uh, angle angle his ankles messed up, and I'm not mentioning his name because I have him on my fantasy football team, and I'm so pissed at him right now. But Watson ended up with four catches for 107 yards, three touchdowns, as you mentioned, two of those in, in the uh, fourth quarter of that game. That big. Um, game against the Vikings. uh, I think he might be the answer for what Rodgers wants for that, that top-end guy, but I'm not completely sold just yet, but shout-out to him. You at least deserve a rose today.
0: No, absolutely. It was. Like you said, it was his breakout game for the season. It's exactly what they brought him here to do. Min- or uh, Green Bay, under the Aaron Rodgers portion of this regime, has loved big, long, athletic receivers that can get down the field like that. He fits the mold. It's just going to take a little bit. He played football at North Dakota State. You know how much they like to throw the football? Not very much. The guy was catching like mm. three balls a game and then a bunch of end around shit in an offense that just at times put four tight ends out on the field, including two fullbacks in the same formation, one at running back and one in front of him. They want to live a very certain way. I, I covered their game in the quarterfinals last year of the fcs postseason and i saw this on tape i was like oh shit they've got a wide receiver on this team that they actually use like he was so good and athletic and compelling that a team that wants to if they could line up with all fullbacks on the offensive side of the ball actually put this guy out here and was having fun using him creatively on offense
1: i mean yeah mike and not to speak to him athletically because i can't but he looks like a big cow pits. Oh, like you know what I'm saying like he looks like a super size uh, back in the day, Taylor Mays. He looks like what y- wide receiver Taylor Mays.
0: He's I mean, he's a freak athlete. Big, smooth. It just again, right now the catching is a little bit raw. You see some of the mechanics with him just catching the football down and down out are a little rough, but Some of these moments down the stretch of the season I think could go a long way in how we start to talk about the Packers going into next year. I mean, hell, we were having conversations a week ago with Carmen Vitale on this show about what the Packers do with Aaron Rodgers next year and if there's the potential to move on. You saw some more of those throws. Like, he had been... He had had good throws throughout the majority of this season. It's just so much right. of the foundation around him was broken that we were starting to wonder if this was a team that's broken. The health of the offensive line and those receivers coming along will will definitely go a long way in how we start to really levy that conversation down the stretch here. Um, Brandon, I will give out my first rows of the weekend. Um, and this one's this one's to me is easy. Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday, come and, come and get it, baby. <sighs> come and get it. Yeah.
1: Jeff Saturday's come Colts the
0: beat the Las Vegas Raiders on the road in Vegas. Everyone can fucking suck it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> No, you know what, man? Like it was so. Uh, this game was wild for a lot of reasons. One, the the Raiders just continued free fall. You saw a very emotional Derek Carr after oh, that game, man. wearing that one publicly. Ooh. Yeah, like listen, Derek Carr. I think over the last couple of seasons, for a guy that we've had questions about his leadership style and all that stuff. Who's really acquitted himself well in a number of spots. I don't, you know, I don't need you to be emotional after a loss to know that it matters to you. But clearly, this is very genuine from Derek Carr. Unless you're rolling your eyes yes. right now.
1: I, yes, it, it it was. I think, as someone who spent my entire career losing in the first game of the playoffs, like I feel, I feel like there's. We spent a lot of time talking about the winners in this game. I think the highlighting just how hard it is to lose week in and week out because they're doing this. They're not doing the same thing as the winners are doing because obviously the winners are winning, but they're they're coming at the game the same way. So I I appreciate it at this point in time. It was almost like a nice refresher to think like these teams that are. Seeing as shit and that you're always going to bet against like they're still going out there everyday practice just
0: trying to trying to get a win they're trying to and they were limited coming into this one Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro both put on IR recently on offense you know it was it was Devontae Adams on an island making a lot of big time plays for them but one
1: that got called back completely from a holding penalty yeah. where it was beautiful to see. we can have but, a
0: conversation about the Raiders at some other point because that thing Josh McDaniels I did not anticipate it going this bad, uh, and it's gone this bad in a hurry. But that's not the story of this one. They were prime to go and be the team that lost to Jeff Saturday's Colts. And it should be noted, Matt Ryan, also back as a starter in this game, which... Yes. That seemed like it had been – and I'm sure Frank Wright, for a lot of reasons, probably not feeling great uh, today. But I think I think we can all agree Frank Wright probably got a raw deal on this. That seemed like an organization move. That seemed like a Jim Ursay move to say we're going to put Sam right. Ellinger in here over Matt Ryan at this juncture of the season. And right. putting that quarterback out there was not going to have the coach in the best position to be there long-term and succeed long-term. And so for – Jeff Saturday, who we know is Jim Irsay's guy, coming into this situation to have the cachet yeah. with that owner to say, "Hey, no, I think this guy gives us the best chance to win. You just invested in me, so let me go give myself the best opportunity to win." One feels right. kind of, you know, feels kind of bad because you wish that the old head coach had had enough agency in a decision that we don't think was his. Maybe it was, and maybe I'm totally wrong on that. But Matt Ryan went out there and had a throwback game, twenty-one to twenty-eight for uh two hundred and twenty-two yards in this game. Also rushed for a touchdown, had some big scramble yards, plenty of Matt Ryan, Matt Vic jokes that were holdovers from his Atlanta Falcons days, but Brandon, it was just cool to see. I mean, you had a first-time, play, first-time 30-year-old play caller out as a part of this game and a head coach that a week ago this time was an analyst over at ESPN. And you know what? Like, We had the conversations about the very serious notes of all this. I think that there were yeah. plenty of people in the media that made that way too personal about Jeff in ways that... Were, surprised, were surprising yeah, 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 yeah. and disappointing to me. I think that there was a way right. to have that. And it's a reminder in general. When we have a lot of conversations around sports, and I've been guilty of this at times too, when it's people that we don't know that are the subject of stories, we are right. not just willing. It's not being critical because plenty of people that love Jeff Saturday were critical of him over at ESPN. That happened all across the network for a day that we watched. It's difference between being critical and making it personal and feeling like there's attacks at Jeff and feeling like people saying he should be embarrassed and wouldn't shouldn't he be embarrassed by this and all the commentary that started to come out like that from people that I like saying those things. It was just a reminder that when we're all having critical discussions in the abstract about people we don't know, we should probably treat them a little bit more like the people that we do know because it's just it, that part of it was strange. And it's why I was among the many reasons. Like it was really cool for Jeff in general, because for all the reasons I said, I know him and stuff like that, but to have had all of that, what felt like too pretty, too personal of criticism out there and to see Jeff go and succeed. And in spite of that was damn cool.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. But, and obviously people are always going to bring uh personal stuff to this. Like we said, it's, They said it's not personal. Business is not personal. It's always personal. We always know that, and we've all been in situations where we recognize that. I'm glad that he took it personally, even as someone who hasn't had NFL coaching experiences. Like, I've had a lot of of success uh, in this thing, and I know what Greatness looks like. That's what he said in his press conference, Mike. But I think two things can be true. Like, I think it can be a jumping of the line. I think it can be the benefit of having an owner like Jim Irsay and having friends the way he has them, and Jeff Saturday can also be a good manager of men, a good a good leader of men, a, a good football coach in general. So obviously, this first this first game is big and 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 great. But I'm happy that overall, that he gave everyone off on Monday. Yes. He gave the whole team off, victory Monday. And then also that he was brave enough to put Matt Ryan in because he's actually, if he becomes the head coach moving forward, he's putting the team in jeopardy by allowing Matt Ryan to continue to get these big checks from playing all those all those snaps. Because I think that was one of the part of the move for Sam Ellinger is like, let's save the cap a little bit, like save some money by not having this veteran quarterback who's not winning us games playing these games. but. Good for Jeff Saturday, good for the Colts. I, I think the, the Indianapolis is happy that the, the win came at the back of Jeff Saturday as well. Like, he was – Like, he was the leader of that team outside of Peyton Manning for a very, very long time. So, it is cool to see. It
0: was, was, and I think you're absolutely right about a lot of that. The moves that he has made are ones. And you heard him in addressing everything after the locker room. None of it was about him. He understood. I've got to continue to heap praise on these guys. He said, you guys have been through a lot this week. He didn't say I. He said, you guys Mm -hmm. have been through a lot this week. You guys stepped up. He did what leadership 101. The praise went out to everybody else. The conversation was about everybody else, and he gave him a day off on Monday, which is just good business. That's a man who understands how far that doggy bone can go inside a locker room, and you heard all that man. hooting and hollering. Coach Saturday seems a lot cooler when that happened. So, again, yeah, I got no problem with being, people being critical of the move. I did have an issue with how personal some people seem to make it, and I was very happy for Jeff Saturday on the back end of that to be able to get a win. Uh, against the Raiders Brandon who's your second rose going to
1: Mike my second rose is going to the best Watt brother to ever see the NFL and that's TJ Watt God TJ Watt is back on the field for the Steelers he helped them beat the uh your dad's one of your dad's favorite picks going into the season (laughs) the New Orleans Saints I can't I can't get I can't let him go with that one um but Yes, the Steelers beat the Saints 20-10, to and the Steelers are 2-0 and with T.J. Watt in the lineup. Uh, I, I know it's not direct apples to apples, but he made a huge difference in this game. And uh, also, shout out to Mike Tomlin. Now, after beating the uh, Saints, he has beat all... The NFL teams, all 31 NFL teams, other than the Steelers, obviously. I and mean, hopefully he never has to do that. But um, obviously there's other big uh, plays in the game. Both Mike Tomlin and T.J. Watt wanted to shout out Robert Spillane, who had that uh, the big, uh, big fourth down play uh, on Andy Dalton to make sure that they couldn't come back in this game. But I think T.J. Watt just makes a huge difference, Mike. I mean, he's just – a monster. Uh, He had a lot of big plays. Uh, I don't even know his stat line, but he still deserves a rose for this week.
0: There we go. I I feel like TJ Watts, one of the few multi-time rose recipients for you so far. When in doubt, ironically, being a Ravens fan, you go to the Steelers, edge Rusher. Well, I, I, I he, yeah, I guess the last time he played, he got a rose. Yes, so yeah, good hit rate, yeah. good hit rate for roses for him. Um, Brandon, my second rose is going to the Pereiras. Spelled differently, but spiritually the same. Oh, man. Um, late on Saturday night, when I got back after my game, USC two eighty one was going on, and. Alex Pereira beat Israel uh, Adesanya for the UFC middleweight title fight. Was going into the uh, the fifth round down three to one by I think most people's counts in how they had scored that fight, and ended up knocking him out there. The two had fought twice before in kickboxing, which is where Pereira and Adesanya both came from. This was only uh, uh, Pereira's fourth fight in the UFC, and now he is the UFC middleweight champion after that knockout yeah. and. It was, it was wow. He was like the Terminator. He's a much bigger guy than Izzy was. They had to cut weight to get down, but you saw at the fight, the way these guys all kind of expand back to their weight was so much bigger and just kept Terminator walking him toward the cage and hit him with that two-piece uh, to finish things off in that fifth round and get that win. I'm sure we'll get the rematch now, but cool one there. But the real one. Mike Pereira, the NFL rules analyst, was on the call you for the Seattle and Tampa Bay game, and they had him in what looked like a home studio or in a different location. He wasn't out with the rest of the crew. He's,
1: well, they were in Germany, Mike, yeah. and he stays in studio in, in L.A. Well, he, has, he has a studio for the rules analyst. I was going
0: to say, maybe they have to do this because his freak ass. And then, so... <laughs> They saw him at some point they went to him with a rules thing and he clearly did not think that he was on camera and he he gave him a little tongue action all of a sudden you saw in the middle of this he was still on camera clearly didn't know it looked off screen saw somebody and then gave him a little gave him a little tongue wag let him know what time it waggle. was a little
1: tongue waggle like live on air mike that's why like I I appreciate all artists and how they get in their own bag individually, but for Mike Per <laughs> for our, for the Fox NFL rules analyst, for him to be getting in his bag and, and about to give his opinion on a, a controversial play, it really is just fodder. So the the two, the color and the the play by play, don't have to talk about this. Yeah, during all this dead time, and so they don't right? have so to know the
0: rules <laughs> quite as well. Here's the guy whose job right. it is to know the rules, who at the same time was like, you know what? This is free advertising. Look at what this mouth do. True. Look
1: at what this mouth do. And Pereira is a very funny dude. I worked with him a lot when he was on Fox, and he's 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 a man that would ta- tongue waggle uh, during during a, a quick break. But gosh, Mike. I, I don't know how, how are these people supposed to know when the when the cameras are on don't don't
0: waggle your tongue I mean a producer is supposed to tell you when you are on and off camera <laughs> and when you are allowed to be a very freaky ref and that
1: well that's why that's why I'm worried about that he was waggling his tongue at a producer hopefully uh, it wasn't anything out of bounds but geez was that a moment that
0: was an incredible moment that will live virally on the internet for at least as long as Twitter still exists those are the roses this week uh, at Gojo Show on Twitter if there's anything or anyone that we missed over the weekend that was certainly deserving. Um, Brandon, uh, not deserving of a rose would be my picks from this weekend. Uh, Six thick picks that we give out on Friday, three college, three pro. Another two and four weekend in the books, not feeling great. Uh, Overall record this year, 25-38-3. And and that's because in in, uh, the NFL, Seattle plus two and a half ended up being a loser, although that one got really close late, Uh, the Seahawks trying to – Trying to mount that comeback at the end, but Tom Brady and the Bucs too much. Um, Dallas minus four, obviously, didn't cash in the way that that things went there. Uh, The Vikings, plus three and a half, though. Big ups to them, going out and just winning it outright. It was not without a bunch of consternation. When Greg Joseph missed that kick, I thought for sure God was just fucking with me. So... (laughs) Um, Had that one. And then college football, uh, Tulane minus one and a half. They go down to UCF, which we've talked about on here affects the college football uh, playoff rankings, the highest ranked group of five team and their bid for a New Year's six game. So that's a little more uneven. I think Tulane still has to play Cincinnati too. So the road doesn't get any easier. Um, Louisville plus seven uh, did not cash. Clemson, that game got close-ish no. at the end, but Clemson responded well the way that you would expect under Dabo Swinney and the way I should have seen coming, but I didn't because I'm stupid. Yeah. And um, the only thing I can count on this life, Brandon, Wisconsin versus Iowa under 35 points. Now, I didn't have Wis- or uh, Iowa winning by two touchdowns to keep this under yeah. 35, 24-10, but the Hawkeyes uh, have found a way, and Wisconsin is not.
1: Okay, uh, just a little tidbit. I saw this on. I don't know how much we respect Darren Rovell, but uh, he said the the Bucks have hit the under. Uh, they're eight and one on the under on on the season or something like that. So maybe sprinkle that in for the thick six picks or six thick picks because you know just to turn you know
0: just a little. By the little by pass. the way, uh, early line and I saw this from uh, Chad Leistakow, who's a Hawkeye sports columnist. Yes. Early line Iowa at Minnesota this weekend. Iowa's a three point. Uh, now I don't know if this is this is you know I shouldn't uh, shouldn't say this early. Now early line. You want? Know Let me check what it is on DraftKings Sportsbook.
1: Okay, I'm looking right now. I'm looking. I'm looking at it right. All now. All right, give me the not that I have. Give it me up.
0: the give me the early line on Iowa and Minnesota because by some other places it sounded potentially historically low, but I'm only going to give out our lines on this show because we love DraftKings, of course, and it you is. should too.
1: It is uh, Iowa plus three. Iowa
0: plus three, and then what's the over-under number on this game? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, 33. Yeah, over-under 33. Like We already had earlier this year where they were almost like a 31-point over-under, so Iowa continuing to reset what we thought was possible gambling. Ooh. Um, That would be an early number to probably get in on the over right now, especially if um, Tanner Morgan's healthy for Minnesota, uh, just – Free advice there early in the week as we start to get on this stuff, Brandon. Uh, college Mike. College football story this week, by the way, will be all in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, Alabama mm-hmm. did exactly what we talked about. Backed into a quarter and down early in this game to Ole Miss. Managed to rally late and win this. Uh, TCU went out and had, I think, their most – they had their most different victory because usually we've been used to them coming back, and they were – in control for pretty much the entirety of the game besides one random bad snap that led to a fumble recovery for a touchdown by Texas late in that game. TCU wins against Texas, so the Big 12 hopes are alive. But Oregon loses to UW at home, and then UCLA loses weird late night cap to Arizona. And so now it's a one-team wrecking crew. We said said USC was going to be out here as the best potential bid resume-wise. The UCLA-USC game coming up this weekend is a loser-leaves-town match for the Pac-12. If USC drops a game, all of a sudden that conference will have cannibalized itself out of college football the same way that the Big Mm. 12 is at risk of. And now all of a sudden, Tennessee at one loss becomes more viable. The loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game becomes a lot more viable and so there is a lot on the line for this one, as there's been a lot on the line, but some really interesting college football games uh, that went went on. We'll get more into that stuff tomorrow, obviously, but uh, that was at least how it sets up for this week.
1: Yes, um, and watch out for TCU being upset by Baylor this week just because you were just it there was, I, was, I know it probably can't happen I was,
0: well but. i, I was gonna say listen you want to talk about the trap game of all trap games baylor got boat raced by kansas state at home got their nose bloodied and embarrassed and i'm sure we'll have a huge number attached to uh tcu as far as points that tcu is going to be giving against that baylor team for that reason
1: yes hosting hosting uh tcu next week um but I couldn't stop looking at the oh, other one. Oh, you lines know what? It's that, not
0: not a big what? number. They're on the road at Baylor, TCU, two point favorites. So, two point
1: favorites. Wow, nice respect that Baylor defense. Um, but uh, I was just so stunned by that the uh, Iowa Minnesota game was the lowest over under like in all college football by uh, a margin of, of points. Um, But outside of that, Mike, I wanted to give myself a little shout-out. I had to make a correction. My no-nut. Excuse me. My no-rut November. (laughs) My no-rut November
0: pick. That's what that's based off of?
1: (laughs) My no-rut November pick. uh, uh, Hit Uh, yet again. I had uh, the New York Giants uh, minus four. Um, against the the Houston Texans, I really don't have to brag about that. They did make it close at some point, at one point, but the Giants are real, uh, like I said. And I mentioned that I didn't have any losses. I am weirdly a Steelers uh, respecter. Maybe it's Mike Tomlin, but I lost when I I chose the Steelers to uh, to cover against the Bills three weeks ago, and that did not happen. In the last the last pick of October. So right now, four and two for my Brandon's picks. Uh, between the spooky October lo- October pick of the week and the no-rut
0: November pick. So, hey. There you go. A little bit of a heater. Moan, moan away, Brandon. Moan away. G- keep getting these off. Uh, so, again, follow Brandon, fade Mike. That has been the uh, rule for the recent oh, history gosh. now. No, you're, like, very
1: even. 35, 38, and 3 is, like, wildly even. Uh, it's 25. Okay, I'll fix that. Yeah. I'll write that a little yeah. 3 and it to 2. Yep. So
0: now we're talking about a lot different conversation. (laughs) Struggling, battling, fighting. Uh, Brandon, with that being said, picks out of the way. There's only one question left that we need to ask on this podcast, and that question is, do you know what time it is?
1: You know I do, Mike. And after a wonderful weekend of football, I was very, very excited. So I wanted to bring that energy right here. Mm. This, that the third So you better get this party started I'm coming up, I'm coming This, that the third So you better get this party started Get this party started On a Saturday night Everybody's waiting for me to arrive Sending out the message to all of my friends I'll be looking flashy in my Mercedes fans. I got lots of stuff check my ring things. I can go for miles if you know what I mean.
0: This, that, that, that. so we better get this party started. I never understood I can go for miles if you know what I mean as a sexual innuendo. Do people measure sex in miles? <laughs> I
1: think duration and distance is an important thing. So like it's basically maybe she's saying that. She can go for a long time, you know. Like they always talk about, like, oh, we can have sex all night, and it's like, okay, let's yeah, slow I mean, down because like, first off, things get raw, body parts. Well, I mean, all and, like, right, let's wow. we have other things all to right, do. We didn't really.
0: <laughs> the hell is wrong with you?
1: That's not. I can't be real. I can't be real in here, Mike. I can't be real up in this Brandon. Thing.
0: Too real. Too real. That's teed up.
1: Sit. Well, that's what that meant. I I imagine that's what Pink was talking about. Uh,
0: Brandon, let's get to this. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Joel Embiid dropped 59 points. I don't even like Joel Embiid being the first person in recorded league history to drop at least 50 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 blocks in a game seems so comparatively less important after you went and just spewed that vile shit into the ears of people (laughs) listening.
1: No, 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 no. Because if anybody has done Joel Embiid-style numbers in the bedroom, it's probably Joel Embiid. No? You don't think so? That's probably fair. (laughs) <laughs> He's like athletic. He does all. He does it all.
0: No, uh, it was. I mean, honestly, pretty incredible performance uh, from Joel Embiid. I think he scored. I want to make sure I have this right. He scored like all of the team's final twenty or twenty six of those points came in the fourth quarter. Essentially, the entire end of that game that they put on ice against the Utah Jazz was Joel Embiid going out there and doing it by his damn self.
1: Uh, the Utah Jazz, one of the best play uh one of the best teams in the NBA right now, definitely in the West. So maybe the 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 Sixers are waking up a little bit. When Joel Embiid wakes up, the Sixers wake up. So what am I saying? I just
0: appreciated Joel Embiid going on Instagram and also as his namesake, twenty one, putting up the pictures from this performance with the caption, Twenty One, can you do something for me? Twenty
1: one. Can you do something for me? Can you listen, Mike? I didn't think when you brought that up in the podcast, I was like, okay, Mike is forcing something that's not going to be actually relevant. Her loss, number one in the Billboard charts, but also Anti Hero, the most downloaded song in 2022. So shouts out to Taylor.
0: Wow. All right. There we go. Um, yeah. Joel Embiid became the first player with that stat line. He's the first player with 20 points in five blocks in a single quarter in the last 25 years. And the first player to outscore both teams by himself in a fourth quarter since Tracy McGrady in 2006. Um, oh, those man. stats so all great. courtesy of ESPN Stats and Information. Um, Brandon, let's get to that. Um, UConn this is a weekend for underdogs UConn is now bowl eligible and Vandy got their first SEC win in 27 tries Yukon uh, upset Liberty 36 33 had a very sad field storming but a field storming that they earned nonetheless uh in this game Jim Mora is six and five in his first year at the or uh, uh, excuse me his uh second year at the helm I believe yes. mm-hmm um, no, no, this is his first year at the helm. I'm not, I'm not really, yeah, it's his first year at the helm. They were one in 11 in 2021. They didn't play football in 2020 because of the pandemic, because in 2019, okay. they left the American conference and went as an independent. So they couldn't find games. Oh, Jim Mora has already matched the number of wins from Randy Edsel's entire second stint at UConn that had really been a part of driving that program into the ground, um, So, yeah, their last season with at least six wins was in 2010 – with the uh, during when they went to the Fiesta Bowl, so awesome there. Like, man, listen, I, I lived in Connecticut for a long time. I saw when that team was really good when they were the fighting Dan Orlovsky's in the early two thousands when they were sending guys man. to the NFL all the time. Into what they had become, I had called some games back there in recent years, and I always felt for the players. There were still some guys that made it out there and have played pro football off that and have found a way. But in general, they've just done a lot of losing. It's been miserable. Stores, Connecticut is already not the nicest place in the world, and then if you're part of a football team that's the butt of the joke on top of that and what's always been a basketball town, life can be pretty hard. I was skeptical and wasn't really sure what this was going to look like when Jim Bora came over. What was even possible in a world where they're not in a conference with a tie to the college football playoff or to any of the real major bowls and where they have had really the bedrock of losing that had been there for so long in the last decade, and Jim Bora's come in and done legitimate coach of the year stuff in that school
1: yeah and respect to him like Jim Mora is just I want't say he's a proven winner but I think he's a proven football guy like he cares about just the molding of the men and, and the and the getting better of the players like I tried when I was when I was in the transfer it wasn't a transfer portal back then but I looked at UCLA because Jim Mora was there right when I was transferring from Notre Dame. And he never called me back, so I went to Ball State. But uh, shouts out to him, and shouts out to UConn. They
0: snapped. They had already this year, beating Fresno State in October, snapped a three-year losing streak against FBS opponents. Oof. Let that sink. They had not won an FBS football game in three years. They got a Power 5 win over Boston College. They did this against the Liberty team no one expected. And then Vanderbilt, man. Clark Lee, the former Notre Dame defensive coordinator who had gone over there. Got their first SEC win in 27 tries against Kentucky. I called the Vanderbilt-Kentucky game last year at home at Vandy. Oh, damn. And it was a bloodbath. I mean, Chris Rodriguez on the ground, they ate them alive on the offensive front. We know for Kentucky, yeah. Will Levis, the quarterback, all these things that were sell. This season's been a little bit, we talk about regression a lot on this podcast. Definitely been some regression for them with some of the changes. But, man, Vanderbilt, to come out after that – and last year they uh, launched – it was Vandy United, which is an initiative to go and remake the stadium. A lot of money being poured into that program that when you talk to people, Jason Fitz, our friend of the podcast, about what they've dealt with locally down there as far as the school – At times, not always being interested in going and funding the athletic program that is a very strong academic institution, one that prides himself on such, being in that Nashville footprint, to now see people at the helm of that school who are alums like Clark Lee, I believe their athletic director as well, who care about that place and are putting the funds into it to get a moment like this to start to springboard into new facilities that are going to get improved around there and hopefully a trajectory that's on the up and up cool moment there for both involved. So congrats to UConn congrats to Vanderbilt for going out and getting that win uh, this past weekend, Brandon, someone who did not get a win this weekend. We already talked about Israel Adesanya in UFC 281 losing his UFC middleweight belt. Drake also lost some money. Now that he's done being at the top of the billboard, he has gotten back to his true passion, which is sports gambling, and apparently lost $2 million betting out of in that fight.
1: That's uh that's chump change for Drake, though. But I'm I'm glad to see he's he's into the into the sports. Maybe we'll hear a UFC reference in, in his next track.
0: I mean, into Drake's Drake's into whatever sport allows him the most clout. Stop. All of them. If, if that was the case, he'd been on he'd been on shot
1: soccer a long time ago. I think he stays true to how he likes to the, to spin and lose his money.
0: And usually, he does win a fair amount of it, right? Like he would have made. I th- well, because he follows front front. Uh, I yeah, mean, he's the
1: bandwagon type. Yes, of guy. Yes,
0: he does the thing where he bet front runners. Like he would have. He bet two million and would have won two point nine million um, if he had pulled out the victory. Um I think even when he posted the betting slip he said um you know now that the album's done I got to get back on get back on my grind getting these wins so leave, leave it to Drake to try and pass off being rich and knowing which teams are the best as being good at sports gambling
1: well I, I, I'll say he's in this he's, he's true to this like he is other things uh, he's very popular has other rappers that he bets in three-point contests and they owe him eighty thousand at dollars at a at any random rip of time so uh, when are you getting invited to Drake's house? Don't 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 gamble him with with him in, in the basketball
0: court. He knows where his shots are. And like there we also have seen when Drake had that basketball league at his house, there are very specific rules as far as what you are allowed to do and not do when you're playing on the court with Drake. Oh
1: you're gonna do that. You're gonna do that. No one plays
0: defense on the guy's house thing. Brandon, you think anyone in their right mind is going over to Drake's house and playing lockdown defense on dude? This is, again, I said this before on this podcast, this is like when we were playing basketball with you on the morning of your wedding. You think anyone was going to get in your face? step into the lane and take a charge against you or do anything you think we wanted to face your wife having to say, yeah, Brandon's ankles not going to fit into his dress shoes today because Mike Ooh. felt like setting the tone in the paint and reminding him whose house it was.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, am glad you brought up me playing basketball, Mike. Cause that's what I was thinking. I was like, of all the people that come over Drake's house, there has to be someone that plays basketball like me. And that means defense equals hacking a little bit. Like I, I like if I was to play defense against Drake, like, I'd have to be uh, I'd have to be alerted by security that I'm doing too much because like this is just how no, I you'd
0: be you'd be alerted by 21 Savage at this point. 21, can you do something for me? Can you talk to the Ops next for me? Brandon hit me really hard. Um, We hope you don't think we're Ops after sitting around listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us that five-star rating and a review. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. You can go to the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab there and check out all of our guests, all of our videos as those come up. Thanks so much. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll talk to you tomorrow.